Anybody experiencing church today? Wow. Wow. That power of the cross that can unite us. That power of cross that can give us life and give us hope and give us meaning. Oh boy, I, I just, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm lost for words. I know what I'm about to say. I don't even know how to say it because uh, just being with you and experiencing God's ple- presence in this place sometimes is overwhelming. And I hope and trust that being here together and knowing that he lives and knowing what the cross has done will just give you great life and great hope and great joy. We've been looking at the uh, letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And we've been looking really in chapter 4. And as we look in chapter 4, it's an amazing story. No, no, it's better than a story. It's an amazing truth of who we are in Christ. And who we are. And Paul is going to paint a picture that God has given to him that we need to hear that's extremely important. Because until we know who we are and whose we are, we don't know how to act. And we don't know what we're here for. And Paul is going to say that those of us who have been dead in our transgressions and sin and have no merit on our own to have the mercy of God have been given mercy in Christ Jesus and sinners like us have been made alive. And the life that now we live, we live in Christ, forgiven of our sins, robed in his righteousness as his children. People who have no right to have life have eternal life. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And then people who have no right of being together, Jew and Gentile, male and female, that have been separated over politics, have been separated over hate, hatred and bigotry, have been made one. I mean, made one in Christ, not just many, but one body. People who don't belong to be family are family. And it's the church where he wants us to come together to to be the place where heaven and earth meet. Are you with me? Can you believe that's us? The place where God wants to come and and fill this room with his presence, where we truly are under the rule and reign of Jesus as king and his authority, and submit our lives to him. It's the church that Paul has told us that God has called together to display his victory to the world. That God would so love the world to send his son to rescue it and give us life and give us unity. And it's the church unbelievably, that he wants to proclaim his victory through. And it goes more than just proclaiming victory to this world. And I don't fully understand this, and i got to confess, I don't. But he wants us as the church to proclaim victory to the heavenly realms as well. Think of who you are in his eyes. Think of how beautiful you are. Think of how treasured we are as the church. We've been made alive because he died. And was resurrected. We have been made one because he's brought us together. And he wants to declare through us victory. Central Florida, Florida, and the world, and the heavenly realms. That's who we are. It's overwhelming. That's how he sees us. But he says there's more. There's more. There's the fact that we really are, we have to be unified because we are one body. Two weeks ago we looked at this. In Ephesians 4, 
We looked at the fact that uh, he sees us as one corporate body moving together. That we have to be unified. We have to work hard at being unified. Because naturally in our sinful self and our selfishness, we're going to be disjointed. We're going to want our own agendas. It's going to be all about us. And he's saying nonsense. I called you to myself for Christ and his kingdom. It's not about you. It's about you holistically, not individually. And now work hard. Work really hard at preserving unity. Don't sow discord. Sow beauty. The beauty of Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, well, part of that beauty of being one is being many parts. You're diverse. Each one of you is uniquely gifted. Young person, old person, wherever you are, God has uniquely gifted you to advance his kingdom, to proclaim his victory. And he's called us as your leaders to do one thing. We are here to equip you to proclaim victory. That's it. Let's go home. But we got to equip you. We really are here. To make sure you know who you are, whose you are, and how he wants to use you. That you have been uniquely gifted, but we, is, we are in this together. we got to grow in him. And the many parts have to work together. And if, if we're not working together, we're messing up. And then Paul gets to this passage today in 4, where he's continuing this thought. And he's saying, although that we are this beautiful bride, and although we're you one and we're many, that we have to grow up. Paul is challenging us, saying we got to grow. we got to grow to the point where we're fully grown men. And it's interesting imagery. He says we're one body, but don't be childlike. And listen, over this one body, we have one head. It's Jesus Christ himself, our risen, living Savior and Lord, God's Son. He is the head. Now grow up. Grow in him. Because why? I want to proclaim my victory through you. And why? Listen, if you and I don't grow up, this world is going to knock us around. The world wants to kick the backsides of us. They want to say that you haven't gotten victory. The world wants to kick us around. And God says, no, no, no. I've given you victory in Jesus. There's no kicking you around. You've got to grow up so you can stand firm. So you can fight back. Because we are in a battle. You know what he's calling us to be? Winsomely Offensive. A church that's winsomely offensive that is moving forward for him, proclaiming his victory in Christ Jesus, not sitting back but moving forward. Some of you are naturally offensive. (laughs) Just kidding. But together we can be. And for a long time, the church has been offensive without being winsome and loving. And God's telling us we got to grow up because we got a job to do. And as we become winsomely offensive for the kingdom, we got to be moving forward. And this morning, what you're going to hear is God's word pointing us to that. And then you're going to hear what this church believes God is calling us to do, to be winsomely offensive. What I mean by that, let's make sure we understand, winsomely moving forward to advance Christ's kingdom for his glory. Because why? That's why we're here. Why? Because it's for Christ and his kingdom. It's not about us. Why? So that we can proclaim his victory. So Paul's told us we're one, and Paul has told us that we are uh, um, gifted in different gifts. And he's also told us, the ministers, that we are to build you up for the ministry. And now in verse 14, he's kind of in mid-thought. If you're with me, we're in Ephesians 4, verse 14. We're going to look at 14 through 16. He says this, We need to grow in Christ-likeness, and I haven't started yet. We need to be full-grown, and we need to be equipped. And now in verse 14, 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. And really, it's basically that word human cunning is, is, is thinking of dice playing when the dices are stacked and there's no way you can win. And basically saying that we need to grow so we can stand in this world, stand up to every wind of doctrine, every human cunning, every craftiness and the deceitful schemes of this world because they do want to trip us up and mess us up. Rather, speaking the truth in love. I love this. It doesn't say literally speaking the truth in love. You know what it says? We need to be truthing in love. Jeff, the word truthing is not a word. I know that. Thank you. But the word speak isn't even in there. He's saying this. Listen, you got to grow up. you got to grow up because the world out there wants to knock you down. And if you don't know where to stand for truth and stand in God's word and represent me, you're going to get swept away. And speaking the truth in love, he's saying this. Truthing in love, we need to live our lives in truth and word and deed. Not just speaking them, but living them. We need to be imitators of Christ. It's a really incredible image that he's giving us to grow in Christ's likeness, grow into uh, uh, with the head of Christ, speaking truth and love, or basically truthing in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Again, he's given us this great picture. Jesus Christ is the head. We are the body. We are to grow. Sometimes you see a baby's born, he's got a gigantic heed. Look at the size of his heed. And the rest of the body has to grow. We recently just baptized uh, last week precious Salem wine, Josh and Keeley's daughter, beautiful adopted daughter, if you were here last week, and we're praying for her because her, her head, it, it needs to grow. There might be developmental issues down the road, so pray for her. But it's a picture of what happens if we don't grow together. Christ is our head. We need to grow so we can stand for him in every way. Each one of us, not only growing, but growing together from verse 16, from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body so that it builds itself up in love. And so that we can grow in him to be winsomely winsomely offensive, to proclaim his victory to this world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for just the incredible picture of who we are in Christ. Father, it's, 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 it's overwhelming that those who are dead, you have made alive. Those who have been divided, you have united. And those who have no victory to boast of, you've given us an eternal victory in Christ. Father, we are here by your design and for your son's glory. You are calling us as the church to be the primary vessel to advance Christ's kingdom. So, Father, would you grow us up in Christ so that we can be useful vessels in your hand individually and corporately so that we can be the city on the hill you're calling us to be, so we can be the salt of the earth you desire for us to be, so that we truly can be the light of the world that your spirit is empowering us to be. God, open up our ears to hear Jesus' voice. Illumine our minds by the spirit to understand who we are, whose we are, and what our call is. And Father, empower our feet 
to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel so that we don't walk out of here hypocrites, but we walk out of here soldiers fully equipped to advance Christ's kingdom. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're just going to briefly look at what Paul is calling us to do, and then I'm going to be truthing in love. I'm going to be truthing in love with you to tell you how we believe as a church in this growing strong campaign and what God has us to do next and what that looks like. So that we can live what we say we are, family. We can talk like a family. You can hear where we are going and why and how that impacts you and also give you a chance to respond. And so ultimately, for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom and for every reason that we're here, for that, Orangewood, we can be winsomely offensive as a church for the glory of God. In verse 14, Paul says to us that we got to grow strong to stand for the truth. Our world rejects truth, doesn't want to claim truth as something that's absolute, that's relevant. It's something that they want to tell you. You can decide on your own. Wrong. All truth is God's truth. Truth comes from God alone. And he's called us to himself in Christ to be one in the midst of many, but to stand for truth. So we don't get knocked around by this crazy world. And I'm going to tell you this. It's it's a phrase that we're going to use here in this church as intentionally equipping you. I believe that God has raised up the uh, the believe uh, the uh, uh, leaders, but more importantly, God tells us we are here to equip you for ministry. You are ambassadors of Christ, not just here this morning, but every day of your life as a child of God. And our job is to make sure the church is winsomely off- uh, uh, offensive. And we can't be offensive. We can't take every truth captive for the obedience of Christ if you are not equipped to do so. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have equipping center classes. And that's why we open up God's word every Sunday morning. We run like a beeline right there and say, equip us to stand for truth. Because we believe it's your truth. And your truth has given us life. And it's what this desperate, dark world needs to hear. That's why we're doing things like this summer. We're saying we're going to tackle hard subjects. We're going to ask you to come back even the summer months to say, come to an equipping center class. Learn about what the Muslim's worldview believes. Learn about what the world and their cunning, crafty plans try to trip you up so you will be equipped. God's calling us to maturity. He says, don't be childlike. Don't be able to be, don't lose an argument. (laughs) I don't want you to be able to lose an argument for me. I am truth. And so therefore, you need to equip one another to stand. Does it make sense? That's That's the first thing. And verse 15 says this, grow in Christ. Grow in Christ. It's not the fact that we just grow in, in, in uh, uh, any way we want to. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, all truth is God's truth. We never have to be afraid of truth. But we have to realize that it is Christ who's gifted us. It's Christ who's empowered us. And we grow in Christ's likeness. That's verse 15. But then in 16, is very, very interesting. He says this, basically. He says, we are to grow strong together so that we can connect to one another. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Earlier on, I said we got to intentionally equip. This is basically saying this. we got to intentionally connect. That we got to grow together as a body so that we fit together. Um, so that we're basically Lego pieces that God is putting together in a sense where all the pieces fit. If some pieces are too big and some are too small, they won't link well together. This is important. 
Because we have this silo mentality that each one has to grow individually with the Lord. Yes, that's true. But sometimes we forget that we are to grow corporately as a body. We have, this, we have this tendency in our Western American culture to think it really is all about us. Even our own spiritual journeys, it's all about us and our journey with Jesus. It's our journey with Jesus, as he's telling us. Not just yours and mine individually, it's ours corporately. We do have to grow together. We have to intentionally connect. God has made us to connect. It's important. It's not just something the church needs to do to try to grow their members or try to feel good or provide a social atmosphere. we got to be connecting with one another. And that is what uh, Paul is telling us to have intentionally connecting, growing strong together. And, la- and, and in addition to that is growing strong to have an impact. It's not just so we have this great knowledge and we win arguments and feel good about ourselves and say, aren't we like the cat's meow? That our arguments more sound than yours. Wrong. Winsomely offensive is growing strong together so we really can, for the glory of God, change Central Florida into the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. So we really can have an impact on our friends and neighbors so they too can know and love Jesus. So that we can live our lives obedient to his call. So that we can have that impact that God is calling us to. Listen. We go as conquerors who have been conquered by the love of Christ. We go as those who already has victory secured. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about the victory. Yahoo! Amen? But we go as his ambassadors. We go equipped, connected together, not just as lone rangers, but we go to impact. Whether it's here locally or it's around the world, we're going to talk about that as we close. But I love the reality is we got to grow to love. The very last thing says that we can grow to do all this so we work properly together so we can build ourselves up in love. You know, in Jesus' day, there was a lot of religious fanatics. Same like our day. And a lot of people who thought that they had a scheme and a plan to get close to God. And you know what? It was man-made devices. And it was confusing. Now, all these rules. And you look at God's word alone. It's, what are all these rules? You know what man was doing? They were putting more and more rules on it. And Jesus says, let me tell you what I want you to do. Are you here wondering what God wants you to do? This is it. Jesus will say, I'll take everything that was written in the law, everything that was written in the prophets, and I'm going to sum it up in two things. Love God with everything you have. And love one another as yourself. And as you do, you will be winsomely offensive, moving forward, winning this culture and souls for the glory of Christ. That is why we're here. We're embarking on this Growing Strong campaign. And what does that actually mean? Where is God leading us? Where is he taking us? What is next? There's been some... A lot of talk, some confusion. What is God doing? Where are we going? Um, And let me tell you that there's been a long time that I have been praying what this means for Orangewood. I know those of you who have been around, you know my heart that God has called us. I truly believe we are the A plan. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that we are the primary tool that God is choosing to use to advance his kingdom. So what does that mean? I want to tell you a story. Can we have more obnoxious football fans 
that live in our state than those who have happened to win a couple of championships over the years and different things. I mean, can we have more flags, more bumper stickers? Can we make more license plates? Can we wave more things that say, we are the champions? We're it. We're the king of the world. And this is what it's all about. And they are not being winsively offensive, are they? They're just being offensive. And for all of you Gator fans, I love you. So many of you are Gator fans and you have done it and you won. You're great. We stink. You're awesome. We're bad. All right. I know. But you pack in 94,000 obnoxious fans into Ben Griffith Stadium. You do the chomp and you do the whole things and you trot out world-class athletes. that are going to run people over. And you do it well. And it's unbelievable what you have been able to do. It's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, the program, the success, the athletes. But I tell you this. There is no way that Ben Griffith Stadium is going to be filled with fanatical fans that are going to be cheering them on to victory and have those victories if there weren't weight rooms that were building up the athletes. Any major college sports facility that you will go to or maybe your son or daughter will be uh, recruited to, they want to show you the most impressive weight room that they have that are sculpting athletes to go and win championships. And the amount of time these kids are spending in the weight room and the regimen that they are on, you want to say, how do they ever get to class? But to win a championship at that level and to have those obnoxious flags and obnoxious bumper stickers and obnoxious license plates, you got to build a championship program. Is it not true? I want the whole thing. I want to fill Ben Griffith Stadium for the glory of Christ called the sanctuary. But we have to realize that God's calling us to winsomely be offensive and to build holistically and to grow strong so we can stand. And it begins with our children. And it begins with our children and it begins with our young people and our adults. And we go from there. Let me tell you a little bit. Just... Just journey with me for the next few minutes about where God has taken this pastor over the last four and a half years. I had the audacity, the stupidity, or the boldness to begin to pray four and a half years ago that God would give us the dirt from that backstop to the JCC. I wanted it all. Okay, I wanted these three buildings. I wanted the 14 acres next to these three buildings. And I had a wonderful plan for Christ's kingdom with these facilities. I really did. It was, it was airtight. I mean, I'm negotiating with God saying, God, can you imagine what we can do for you? If you give us these three buildings, we can fill them up with parachurch organizations. We can fill them up with like-minded people. We can have a great impact. We can build a great stuff down there for the church. We can have a phenomenal stuff over here for our school ministry. It'll be great. So much so that as I daily prayed for this, I even had contact with the owner of those buildings in dirt. And I'd even say to him, are you sure Jesus isn't telling you to give them to us? <laughs> and then I started worrying about myself because the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And it wasn't availing much. Other than, are you crazy boy? <laughs> Very nicely. And that's my... my, my God's Spirit pressed upon my heart this. You have 17 acres that I've given you. Develop that. Maximize that. We'll negotiate the rest. It's all mine. Maybe in time. 
But maybe a good idea, Jeff, you knucklehead, figure out what you got first. And that led us to figure out, what do we, how do we maximize this? I mean, how do we really say, thinking, and these phrases I use, I just spent a weekend with our elders, and they're saying, Jeff, you use so many terms. What in the world are you talking about? And I realized I have some really dumb elders. I mean, so, no, no, is that true? <laughs> I'm realizing i got to be more clear, because I say things like, we need to be a heat-seeking missile for the kingdom. Uh, we need to do everything we can to align up who we are for the glory of Christ. we got to win a championship. Do you know what means to win a championship for me? It means this. That everything we do is for Christ and his kingdom. It's not about us. That we really have equipped you to win. Here's what it means. You're involved in worship. You're involved in a community. And you're serving Jesus here and abroad. I mean, here and out there. Whether locally or out there. That, that's the championship. And we got to realize, what have you given us, God? How do we align it to win a championship? So we started to develop this property. And developing the property is, is saying, what is the education space we need? What do we need to really train our kids? What do we need to train our adults? What do we need to be safe and to be reaching into our community? What do we need as a sanctuary? What do we need as a, a place that we can really gather that communicates to this whole community? This is what we believe about Jesus. We're going to come here unapologetically. This is going to be our sanctuary in years too, we hope. What are we going to have for a, a, a community narthex space? And we start developing it. What are we going to have for office space and a future counseling center? We start developing it, and the, the plans come out, and it gets really, really exciting. We think, you know, let's go for it. And last fall, you heard us start to say, hey, we're going to go for it, and it's going to be beautiful, and we're going to have an education space, and it's going to be wonderful. And by God's grace, unbelievably, when I started four and a half years ago, the school was so dependent on us financially uh, that really, if we withdrew our, our financial support, they would die but now they've grown from 540 students to 720 students. And the alignment and where they are and they're, what they're able to do to reach in the kingdom has been amazing. And now they have the ability to actually carry debt themselves and raise more capital themselves. It's unbelievable what they're going to do. Let's them primarily focus on an education building. And let's let us primarily focus, because it's all us, let's let us focus on a sanctuary and an narthex eventually offices and a counseling center and just a state-of-the-art children's ministry. Something's happened. We were going to use the youth house as a staging area. It flooded for the second time. God, what are you telling us? And here's where you guys really dropped the ball. It's going to be honest. We're busting the seam in the nurseries. Good job. You're really fruitful. (laughs) But there's still some spaces next to you. And on a Sunday morning... We aren't busting a scene. Educationally, we are. Huh. I mean, educationally, we're just, we, we don't have room to put more students. Not just school students, but our students and nurseries and different things. And it became very, very clear what is next. The dream was from the backstop to the JCC. The reality was develop this property, which is done and being done. And the next step became very clear, the education building. This is what you got to do. To the chagrin of many, myself included, because I really am excited about having a fully developed heat-seeking missile, championship team, giving all we can, aligning ourselves up for the glory of Christ. we got to be strong here. We reach there. I've asked BA to come and just share some numbers about what God has been doing in our student ministry. And thank you for all you do, BA. Welcome. To come and talk to you this morning. Oh, I'm on now about children's ministry and the reason that we are growing and the reason that we need to have more space. Um, some of you have been in the nursery and you've worked in the two and three year old rooms and you've thought, oh, 
There's a lot of these little guys. In fact, we are averaging in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 in each of the two-year-old and three-year-old room. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, my. Because you know what? When twos and threes are in a room and there's more than 12 of them, (laughs) I call it they reach critical mass. (laughs) You know, they sort of, it sort of grows exponentially as you add one more. And so we've been trying to organize our rooms and adjust in the little teeny space that we have. But by God's grace, and we're going to be able to see all that blue space up there that says children. That is 10 new rooms for nursery and preschool that will be designated nursery and preschool space. That means that nursing, nursing mothers will have a place to go. That means our children will have a place to sleep, not in a closet. And um, we don't want to say that real loud, but we'll, we'll actually have space. We'll have extra rooms for the twos and threes and fours and fives. And I just want to give you a number. Last fall in that category, that's kindergarten and below, we had 146 children when September began. This year, we've added by birth, adoption, and new members bringing in children, we've added 65 children. Y'all are mm, good. (laughs) Now, what that means is we need some more space, and we really need it tomorrow, but we'll manage for about a year to get through to this space. But we really want to have space for the children to do exactly what Jeff's talking about this morning to be able to teach them to grow strong in their faith. We also will have for that children's wing, one of my great concerns and one of the things I pray over daily for the children of this church is just the security and safety of our children. Mm -hmm. Right now, we don't have a lot of being able to keep them real secure in different places. We kind of have different things and we do, our workers do a phenomenal job of keeping them in their rooms and doing those sorts of things. But we'd like to be able to, have locks on the doors at the ends of the hallways so that during the week especially no one can get through and come come through where our children are. We want to be have them safe and secure, so it's one of the things that we've been working on. We also have not had a great place for our children to gather in a gathering space. If we want to gather our children together right now, we have we can gather about twenty of them together, maybe thirty if we really push the boundaries of a room. Because we don't have any place for them to gather. So you see that nice little thing that says children's church slash band? That will be that back here in these nursery rooms that are there now, the walls are all going to come down. And that's going to be a band room for the school. But on Sundays, we can use it for children's church. And um, I'm told by Bob and the guys that have done the architecture that I can sit 200 bottoms in there. That means that I can get 200 little kids in there sitting on the floor. And that's a great thing. We need that space for some of the ministries that we want to do. But also in those rooms, those 10 children's rooms, we will have the opportunity to reach out into our community in ways that we've never been able to do before. Carol Hansen and Luann Schindel and I have been praying and wanting to have more preschool, a place where we can have two-year-olds come two days a week, where we can have three-year-olds come three days a week, and a place where they can grow and learn and know about Jesus. The thing we want to do most in each of these rooms is we pray about them and pray about what you're going to give them, but pray about what God's going to do in them, Mm -hmm. in and through the people that will be teaching in those rooms. Those children can know for sure that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by me. And when the world presses in on them, they'll be able to stand strong and know exactly what Jeff's been talking about this morning. So pray, pray for our children. Pray about this space and pray, as Jeff's going to ask you in just a minute, about what you're going to do. Because God is growing his children here for the church for the future here at Orangewood. Thanks, If she was only a little bit more excited about our students and our children, you know, it's just amazing. It really is. But again, for us to advance Christ's kingdom, we have to, as a body, be united. We have to be growing. And we have to be equipping you and our young people for the future. It's imperative. No matter if we did a phase one that included a sanctuary right now, we'd still need this. We need this. This is imperative. And really, to be honest with you, God has made it clear this is what we truly can move forward and say with heads held high, it's, it's time. I mean, we, it's, there's no more space. I wish I could say to you, come on, fill this place. We'll go. It's going to be awesome. We'll do, here's what's next. But God hasn't been pleased to do that yet. And if he chooses, praise the Lord. And until his timing, we're going to wait and listen to him. How are we going to pay for this? Amazingly, amazingly, Our ministry that we have with our school has grown and been unified and been so successful that they are now not only able to stand on their own financially, they now are able to have uh, secure a bond and a a school can uh, secure a bond in a tax-favorable way better than we can. Um, And there's some logistical things that we had to work out with what does that look like for them and look like for us. But listen, the school is able to carry a $5.5 million bond toward this $8.5 million project. Not only that, the school has also gone out uh, to the uh, students that are primarily in the families, primarily and not OPC families, and raise an additional million dollars. And we knew that no matter what we did, there would be our fair share. And if we were building a narthex and a sanctuary right now, we would all have to come together and say, what's the infrastructure cost and the soil testing and the parking and the reconfiguring of that? Well, we need to do that right now. Not only that, because we are called to be connected to one another. We got to have a... uh, 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 an atrium area that makes sense for us on a Sunday morning and our fair share as the church at Orangewood that's getting this incredible blessing is roughly $2 million, right at $2 million for us to move forward. The elders and leadership of the church feel like God has called us to do this without incurring any debt, any more debt. Our current debt as a whole church is about $400,000. It's very small compared to what God has given to us. And so we're saying, here we go. We're going to ask you uh, to, to give and give sacrificially. There's going to be on June 3rd, just in a couple of weeks, we're going to gather. Uh, this week as you leave, there'll be more information on the tables. The elders will be there to answer your questions and give you some material. You'll also be receiving members of Orangewood a pledge card this week to prayerfully consider what is your part, what is God calling you to do uh, to move us forward. Um, and we are seeing what God will do. Those who do these kind of things, um, those who raise money and help churches raise money, say to a church our size, $2 million from Orangewood really should be very, very doable. They usually say a project um, of significant size, we should be raising two and a half, three times our annual budget. I'll tell you right now, that's, that's probably if we were having a sanctuary and everything else in this. Uh, this is not that as big a deal, but let me tell you, it is a big deal. 
And each one of us is going to have to respond. Um, Why now? Because you just heard there's an immediate need. Why now? Because we can't grow anymore in our children and school ministries. Why now? Because if we don't build starting this summer, we can't be in by the 08-09 school year. And that really will affect uh, who we can have and influence, what students we can influence for the glory of Christ. I I wish it wasn't the month of May. It's tough for the church to do things like this in the month of May. It really is. I wish I could say, now here's where we're going in the fall. We're so excited about some new, uh, just clarifying things for us. But really, the time is urgent right now. We have to move forward uh, so that we can sync with our school calendar and our children's needs immediately. What does this mean for you? Well, let me tell you what it means for you by what it means for me. Katie and I have prayed and and discussed what it means for us, and it's it's an additional monthly commitment on on top of our tithes and offerings, saying we believe God is calling us on top of that to commit this amount per month. Additionally, uh, I get paid uh, 26 times a year. That's every other week. We've we've already worked our budget years ago uh, as if we got paid 24 times. It helps. And so we know that twice a year we get three paychecks instead of two in a month. Anybody else live that way? So we are able to say in those two months, we are going to be able to give another larger chunk uh, toward this project. And we put that toward the bottom. And lastly, we recently refinanced. Uh, things in our house with four kids, two dogs, and me, uh, they, they break. Uh, we refinance to take some equity out of our home to, th- to do some things in our house. We feel like God's calling us to take some of that and not invest it in our home, but in our church home instead. So that's, that's a number that we've come up with. Let me ask you to do the same. Just pray about it. Just say, God, where, where is it for, for us? Someone very, very near and dear to me um, collects milk bottles, and he has for years, World War II vintage milk bottles. He just had a guy drive down from Michigan and sold them all to give to this church and where we're heading. And just to see that kind of sacrifice, to see many already stepping up and saying, I believe that we are the A-team. I believe that we need to build a weight room, if you will. A, we need to build an equipping center. We need to build an education building so that we can be truly standing for Christ empowering our young people and our adults for the glory of Christ. I know you'll have questions, so tonight come. Tonight you'll have a chance to come and respond at 6.30. You can come to Tuesday morning. You can come Wednesday evening. We're available to you moving forward. I hope you are excited. We need to be growing in Christ in every way, God's Word tells us, so that we can stand for His truth and share His love. We are the church. In Christ there is one foundation. Our vision clearly is we believe God's calling us as a church to transform Central Florida into the kingdom of God through the power of the gospel. We believe truly that our mission is equipping you to advance Christ's kingdom through worship, community, and service. But not just here, but in, not just here in Central Florida, but in the entire world. I just love what Joe Creech has done with our missions um, committee this summer. Many of you are going. Uh, let me tell you about some. Rachel Bradley, in the midst of all the things the Bradleys are going through, Rachel Bradley's going this summer and working in the children's home in Acapulco. Uh, Stephanie Kostler will be working with children this summer in Africa. Uh, we also have Alan Jones, who will be going and working uh, in East Asia with international students. Um, Erica Covert, uh, Bob and Shelba Mack's daughter, will be working with children in Romania. 
We also will have 18 from this church going to the Far East on June 22nd. There'll be 25 plus going down to Honduras in July. There'll be over 45 going to the Acapulco Orphanage this summer. You are going and showing the love of Christ as the A-team. What a privilege it is. If you are going this summer, and maybe I didn't mention you, and you are going in other capacities, but let me just, let's recognize you, because we're together. Will you please stand if you're planning on taking a mission trip this summer? Will you please stand? I know there's more of you all. Hey, this is us. We are family. Here we go. We're going to go. Now, thank you for going. Thank you for serving. Not just here locally. Everybody else. Now, those of you who stood, you sit now. And the rest of us are going to stand. We're going to pray for you because we are the priesthood of all believers. So if you aren't going yet, stand. And if you're near somebody who is, can you just, in the love of Christ, put your hand on them? And as I pray, as we commission them, will you represent the body of Christ uh, as we send them forward uh, into the mission field? Because what a privilege it is ours to be God's primary vehicle, advancing his kingdom, proclaiming his victory here and around this world he has created. Let us pray together. Now, Father God, we truly are one in Christ. Jesus himself has made those like us who have been dead alive in Christ. He has united us in Christ. We stand upon Christ Jesus as our firm foundation. And as well, he is our head, the one that gives us life, the one who gives us meaning and direction. Father, we ask your richest blessing and the power of your spirit on each one who is sitting Now, Lord, thank you that they represent Orangewood, but more importantly, that they represent Christ as they go. Will you please protect them? Will you protect their families that they leave behind? Will you please energize them? Would you please equip them so that they can proclaim victory, so they can proclaim the good news of Christ, so they can walk in a manner uh, worthy of the gospel? Thank you that they are going. Jesus, we're here because of you. And it's on the firm foundation of Christ our Lord that we are building our lives and building this church for the glory of Christ. Thank you for the joy of the journey. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, all please stand.